We know there's hope because of Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> we know there is hope because of Jesus. The hope of Jesus, the love of Jesus is what drives out that darkness. It's the gospel story, friends. That is the hope. Welcome to the Portland Christian Center podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Awesome. Awesome. Man, isn't that amazing? So, 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 so good. So good. Well, in case I haven't met you yet, I am Pastor Nate, and this is Shea Linseth. Let's welcome her home, Portland Christian Center. So fun. So in case you don't know, Shea and I are first cousins. For, it's true. <laughs> we both have dads that are brothers. We look alike, right? Yes. <laughs> identical. Identical. One of the things we want to share a few fun stories about growing up together. Um, so we didn't live that close. Your parents, um, you guys were kind of more Vancouver area for a while, Battleground, different times, yeah. Battle yeah. Ground, different yeah. times Spokane, yeah. different places like that. Um, we kind of were renting Seattle. But one of the things our parents did yes. um, was make sure Thanksgiving and Christmas, at least, and then sometimes summer we would have reunions. Yeah. We were always together. Yes. And it was so much fun when the cousins would come into town. We looked forward to it so much. And one of the things maybe not everyone knows is how many brothers and sisters, like when you guys came, how many yeah. came? So, Nate, you have... One brother. One brother. Me and Nikki Bob. Yep. That's it. I have four brothers and four sisters. Woo! So to say we overwhelmed this poor guy is an understatement. It was a wonderful <laughs> overwhelming. It was great. So what would happen was sometimes, I don't know if it was church different times, I don't know, but I would go to bed either the night before Thanksgiving or the night before Christmas, and I would wake up, and one of my cousins, usually Travis or Skylar, were in my bed. <laughs> And I had no idea how they got there. <laughs> and I was so excited because that meant video games were on. <laughs> and we had such a great time, didn't we? We did. Yes. We did. And, and then another fun memory, and we want to show you a picture. Oh, no. There's, there's some of us. Um, you can see, uh, Shea, where are you? You're in the middle, I think. I, the... I'm the one with the fair faucet going on next yes. to my mom there in the back. And, and I'm the one, you can see the Adidas jacket with the beautiful dark hair. <laughs> Notice that right there. Yep. Yes. It was, it was a beautiful sight. It was a beautiful sight. Yeah, so that's our family. Uh, at least most of them are in there, I think. Um, but one of the things that we also w had the privilege of was going to a summer camp together. Yeah. Uh, what was the name of the camp? It was Wariki Camp, which is up above Washougal, actually. Who's ever heard of Camp Wariki? Anybody else heard Anybody? of it? Oh, a couple. All right. A few of you. It's a Washougal area. I don't yeah. even know where that is. But it's okay. I was in middle school. We went. And they had something that you would do a tradition called the Polar <laughs> Plunge. The Polar the Polar Plunge. Anybody ever done a Polar Plunge? So that meant we got up. Yeah, come on. We're some people with some pride. Crazy. Polar Plunge. That means you... <laughs> You jumped in a river or a lake, and there was probably ice somewhere around. That's how cold it was. And we would get up. They would wake us up well before anybody else, early, early in the morning, and we would get in the back of a truck. I don't know how legal this was. It probably wasn't. And they would haul us up the mountain, and then he'd be like, all right, whoever jumps in goes. And we would jump in. 
And then we would freeze all the way back down, and that was the polar plunge. Yep. But before you would go to the polar plunge, what would happen? How would you wake up? It was pitch black. There was no sunshine. It was dark. Yes. And it was cold. It was. It was cold. And, you know, that's where we want to start today is that oftentimes we find ourselves, whether it's, you know, at schools for some people, they're still in school or at work or maybe you're waking up, but we find ourselves surrounded by darkness. Yeah. Anybody else found yourself surrounded by darkness? Even in the missions world, when you go out there, there's darkness. And now we're starting to transition to spiritual darkness. And what we want to talk to you about today is that the problem of darkness is something that we all face, isn't it, Shea? It is. It is. I mean, God created light and dark at the beginning, so we experienced physical darkness. But when man fell, we all started experiencing spiritual darkness. And you know what? It doesn't matter if that darkness is a season or if it is just a situation or if it's the atmosphere of the place that you're in or maybe maybe it's a person you know or maybe it's you yourself. No matter how deep that darkness, we know there's hope. That's right. We know there's hope. Mm-hmm. How do we know there's hope? Mm-hmm. We know there's hope because of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> We know there is hope because of Jesus. The hope of Jesus, the love of Jesus is what drives out that darkness. Amen. So if you're taking notes, where are my note takers? Get your note. Come on, let's go. And if you're like, I got my cell phone, that works too. (laughs) Our big idea this morning, as Shea just said, is hope drives out darkness. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, see, I told you so. Hope drives out darkness. Absolutely. We've been in this series in Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to read it to you in verse, we're going to pick up verse 17, because this passage lines up perfectly with our series of being anchored, but also how the hope of God drives out darkness. So I'm going to read it for you, and uh, we'll get through it, and then uh, it's just going to be a powerful day today. So with the Lord's authority, I say this. Whose authority? The Lord's. The Lord's. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Folks, we live in a culture and a world that's doing the exact same thing today, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. But there's hope for the darkness. There's hope for the darkness. Verse 20, I love this. This is one of my favorite things in Scripture. Whenever it talks about something that's dark or evil, I love how Paul will put a contrasting word in there. It's a big but. Verse 20, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Right there, I just want to pause. Shay's going to go in a second, but I want us to allow the Holy Spirit 
to renew our thoughts and attitudes. Would you do that with me? Would you put your hand on your head and close your eyes? I just think all of us need that. Would you agree with me with that? We need the Holy Spirit to renew our thoughts and attitudes. Father, right now I pray, as Shay and I preach this morning, I pray whether we're on missionaries, we're missionaries that are going all over the world, or we're on mission here in Portland, or wherever we find ourselves, we need our minds renewed by you, Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray that we would have your thoughts, your attitudes, and may you fill us fresh today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the passage we just read We see some obvious contrast between being a person who is living in the dark and maybe someone who is still in the dark. Those are two separate kingdoms we're talking about, spiritual kingdoms. We're not talking about two points on the globe, but right now I'm going to talk about two different places on the globe. (laughs) Just to give you an example of what it's like when you move from one place to another, that there's things that change. There's things that look different, things that feel different, smell different. So I want to tell you a little bit about Ethiopia, which is where I get to live. Is that okay? I'm going to tell you about a a little about Ethiopia. I have some pictures. And I think they're coming. Oh, this is Ethiopia. This is Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, the capital city where I get to live. I love this place. I love this place. It's not an easy place to live, but I love that I get to be there. I love the country. I love the city, but I love the people even more. They're beautiful. I know you guys would love them too, but God has put a special thing in my heart that I desire to be there. I want to be with them and be able to share the gospel with them. So this is this is Addis This is a language I'm working on. It's called Amharic. It's really hard. (laughs) I've actually been told it's one of the top 10 hardest ones for English speakers to learn. If If you're a native English speaker, it's one of the hardest ones. But I think you guys should learn how to say something. Can I teach you something? Yes. Can I teach you a little bit? Okay. Well, since I'm here to say thank you, I feel like it's important and, uh, maybe appropriate for you to be able to say thank you as well. Are you guys up for that? Yeah. Okay, so the word is amaseganalo. You want to try? Let's try. Okay, one, two, three. You guys are really good. Okay, so for those of you that had trouble, think in your head, I'm a soggy marshmallow. I'm a soggy marshmallow. Okay, well, let's try it one more time. It's amaseganalo, okay? I'm a soggy marshmallow. You ready? I'm a soggy marshmallow. Yeah, he just said I'm a soggy marshmallow. Okay. <laughs> but that is thank you. And this is a this is a challenging uh, language that I'm learning. This is a picture of some of the food that we get to Ooh, eat. I yum. love Ethiopian food. Some people look at it and think it looks disgusting, but it's actually really, really delicious, full of flavor. You eat with your hands. That is some uh, goat that has been uh, roasted and fried. And then the bottom one is some chickpea. Um, it's kind of like a stew. It's called shiro. And you eat it with that injera, which is the, the little bread thing that you see there. And you tear off a piece of that and dip it in and you use your hands. COVID was rough for us because people were used to eating with their hands. And they eat communally. So everyone eats together from the same plate. So that was tricky. Suddenly we have to eat from our own plates. And I I threw this picture in just to highlight some of the things that are hard, is that frequently I don't have water. I don't have, my water goes out and then there's no water. And though I think the longest I went with no water in my house was about two weeks. But this is a truck, 
And that hose actually has to travel about 200 feet to go up another um, tower to a tank to fill it up. So when it's been a long time, that's one thing that we'll do is we'll have to call a truck and say, we need some water. So that is helpful. This is part of my team. This is what I get to do in Addis. I work with Urban Tribes Church Planting. So I get to be a part of establishing church bodies within the urban centers. So I am in downtown Addis Ababa, and these are some of my sweet, dear friends that I get to work with. Um, I think there's only, yep, there we go. And then this is a little picture into the church plant that we have. Um, we just celebrated our fifth anniversary. And can I just tell you guys, it's amazing what God is doing. We're seeing people come to Christ. We're seeing people be baptized. And not only that, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we're also seeing people go go out. We're sending people out as missionaries and evangelists and preachers around. So it's very exciting to see what God is doing. So there's a little tiny, tiny picture of what it, lives, what it looks like in Ethiopia. Wow. When I moved to Addis in 2014, I knew things were going to look different, but I don't think you can really prepare yourself <laughs> for how different it's going to be. And uh, you know, you leave your own culture, you leave your family, you leave your friends, everything that's familiar, and suddenly everything is hard and different. Things like language, food you eat, how your food is prepared, what the driving looks like, uh, washing your laundry, grocery shopping, even how you stand in line in the bank is different. So these are all things that are, are we have to adjust to when we go into another place. Yeah. But it's different with the kingdom of God. Come on. It is different with the kingdom of God because we, as you're saying, the contrast is so stark. I mean, you've been there seven years, right? Yeah. And it's just amazing how God's done all that. But isn't it true that there should be a contrast between us and the rest of the world? Wherever we go as believers and followers of Jesus, there should be a difference. And one of the primary differences between us as believers and non-believers, the Bible talks about, you don't wanna know what it is? It's just one word, it's love. Mm. We love differently. Yeah. We love from the ultimate source that is God. The Bible says that God is love. Yeah. So if you've received Jesus in your life and the Holy Spirit's in you, we should have a different contrasting level of Love. So as we're talking about missions today and Mission Summit, and we're bringing in hope that drives out the darkness, the battle looks completely different than all the other warfare battles that we usually think of when we think of a battle. You know what we should be thinking of? Love. Mm. Love. The love of God. Yeah. So how do we drive out darkness? That's the question we want to answer because if hope drives out darkness, how do we do that here? How do we do that on missions? How do we do that with our finances? How do we do it with our family? The way that we do that, number one, is we start with love. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Start, start with, with love. love. In my context, Many of the people that live in Ethiopia are Orthodox. They have an Ethiopian Orthodox. And they 
they know a lot of things, but they don't actually know Jesus. And the things that they practice are done out of fear or out of a hope that if they just do enough, then maybe they'll make it in. And we also have a lot of Muslim in our country as well. And that number is growing every day. And we know that there is not a love that is driving their hearts. They don't know Jesus. But I want to tell you a story about my friend, Laura, and how she encountered the love of Jesus. Is that all right with you? Laura's an orphan that was born um, in the southern part of Ethiopia and grew up in an orphanage um, run by Catholic nuns. And they're the ones that gave her her name. She had no one. She suffered every kind of abuse there is. And there was just a display of the, a, a twisted display of who God was. And Laura decided she hated Christians and she hated Christianity. That no one loved her and that there was no purpose. When she finally was old enough to leave the orphanage, she moved herself to Addis Ababa. <laughs> she was full of addictions, so many addictions, such brokenness, so much darkness covering her, her mind, her heart. But God intervened and brought a counselor along her path that pointed her to Jesus. And Laura found Jesus. A couple of weeks after that, I met Laura for the first time. So she was a brand new baby Christian. And she was so excited, so eager. I was there for her baptism, and then I had the privilege of walking through discipleship with her. She had so many questions. And I have never met anyone who read the Bible more than Laura. She devoured the word. Laura immediately started getting involved at the church and um, jumped into children's ministry and has a gift for that. And we just, just watched her grow and bloom and she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We just saw her progressing and in her journey and we were all so excited and cheering her on. And then about last year, at the beginning of last year, I noticed some things started to change in Laura. Not for the better. The depression started coming back. Her mind started to struggle to stay a hold of hope. Her countenance changed. She wasn't able to eat. She was in pain all of the time. She couldn't sleep because she was afraid of the nightmares. All of the things that the enemy had oppressed her with started coming back. But she didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want anybody to get involved. So we were praying over her and we're encouraging her and speaking scripture to her and praying some more. Until one night, I got a phone call that I should check on Laura. So I called her. And as I listened to her voice on the other end, I knew I had to get to her quickly. I had to get to her right then. So I jumped in my car. It's nighttime. I had to speed the light car. Woohoo, speed the light. And I jumped in my car and I drove across the city. And by the time I got to her little house, she had disappeared. She laid out on her bed all of her worldly belongings and put little notes on each one of where it was supposed to go, who it was supposed to go to. I fell on the floor and I started weeping, interceding for sweet Laura. I don't think I've ever prayed for anyone as hard as I prayed for Laura that night. In a little while, some friends showed up, and we started searching. We started going up and down these unfinished buildings in the area, calling her name, looking under tarps, and 
I was so afraid I was going to find her and it was going to be too late. By God's grace, late that night, she came back. But it wasn't over. Every conversation with her was angry. Every conversation with her was, was so hopeless. And I knew that all I could do was pray. That's all I could do. That's all I could do. And one of the things that I prayed over her is the scripture, Romans 15, 13. And it says, Paul says to the Romans, and I pray, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And friends, that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me, that our source of hope would fill us by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we're trusting Jesus, and that we would move confidently forward with the hope that he brings. About two months later, Laura called me. Actually, that's not true. She texted me, and she said, Shea, Jesus did it. I'm free. And I was like, what? I, I, I mean, okay, cool. What, what does that mean? What does that actually mean? So I messaged her back and I was like, that's amazing. I want to hear all about it. She's like, not yet. We're going to need about two hours. So I, we need to meet in a coffee shop so I can tell you the story. I said, okay, Laura, I want to hear all of it. Jesus was doing something in Laura. He was calling her back. He was bringing that hope back to life inside of her. The power of the Holy Spirit is where we get our overflow. We need to not just start with love, but to continue loving. Continue loving. It's not enough just to love someone one time. We have to keep loving. Keep loving. That's so good. So that leads to our second point is never give up. Never give up. As you were talking, Shea, you know, it's so fun, first of all, to be up here with you. I'm so, so, I, I know I'm younger than you, but I'm still so proud of you. Um, she used to hold that over me, by the way, as a kid. Uh, actually, that was Bria Moore. We had always joked about her. She was a little older than me, her sister. But, you know, being with Shea, Mayel and I, we had her over uh, two weeks ago, and she was telling some stories and talking, and Mayel and I were commenting, Shea is different. God has just done something amazing in you. And we're so proud of you and so grateful for you. And this church is so proud of you. You were on staff here for many years and we are just behind you 110%. Yeah. We love you. And I think one of the things that I would like to highlight as you were talking about never giving up is that perseverance often is a road that no one else sees. You may be here today and you're persevering through something yeah. that only you and, the heaven, and your heavenly father knows about. Yeah. And I want to encourage you today that the Holy Spirit is with you. Shay was talking about how she's alone, she's in the house, but the presence of God yeah. is with you. Amen. And I want to encourage everyone here don't give up. Yeah. Would everyone do a, just a quick exercise with me? Take a breath on, on three. One, two, three. <gasps> I even heard that online. 
As long as there's air in your lungs, God's not done with you. As long as you're breathing, God's not done with you. That's right. That's right. As long as there's air, as long as you're here and you're with us and you're believing, God's not done. That's right. And he's not done with your family. He's not done with your kids. He's not done with missions. Yeah. As I was talking to some of the people out in the lobby, I was thinking many of you have had countless reasons to stop and quit. Yeah. And yet you keep going. Why? Because of the love of God. I want to remind you of what 1 Corinthians 13, 6 through 8 says. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always, whenever I say always, will you say always with me? Good job. It always, always. protects. It always, always. trusts. It always. hopes. Always. Perseveres. Always. Well, just keep saying always. Because love never fails. It's so easy to jump on board with a culture that cancels at the moment of a wind or a storm or somebody who is against you, and yet love never fails. Ephesians 4.24, going back to that passage, says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The problem with that imagery is oftentimes we think of putting on a new nature like this jacket. Now, it's one of my favorites because it's from Macy's and it's a flex one. (laughs) I don't know why, but I'm a mover and a shaker, and if it doesn't move with me, I don't like the clothing. Anybody else with me on that? Why are clothes so non-flexible. I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name, and we'll just go with the flexible jackets. But to be, to be honest with you, you know, when we get a new nature, God doesn't just make it like a little bit better. It says that you're a new creation. Yeah. In other words, the inside of you changes first. The, Jesus had a lot to say to the Pharisees because they were so concerned about the outside of the cup. And Jesus, what did he say? Clean the inside first, and then the outside will be transformed. You see, going on, a, on a, being a missionary, going and doing the things across the street in Portland, it requires a new nature. Yeah. It requires you to allow the love of God to transform your heart so that you have something to give away. That's why that passage is so beautiful, because there's such a different spirit amongst those who have the spirit of God in you and in me. Here's why. Second Corinthians 5:17, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. I feel like there should be some of us here that let's just lift our hands right here. We don't have to go all the way Pentecostal up here, but just right here, you know, kind of Pentecostal right here. We can do that right here, all right? Just right here with me. Come on. We have three of us doing it. Let's do it all together. All right. And we're just going to say, welcome, Holy Spirit. I love you. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. Start with me, Lord. Start with me, Lord. Start with me, Lord. I am called to drive out darkness. I need your love to do it. I need your perseverance to do it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hope drives out darkness, amen? Hope drives out darkness. Then the last thing is this. So we're moving in love. We're persevering. But we all have a part to play. Yes. We all have a part to play. We have senders. Mm -hmm. We have goers. And we have prayers. (laughs) (laughs) But they're all important. The biblical mandate Mm -hmm. is that as believers, we're all part of the Missio Dei. The mission of God. And if it's Jesus' mission, PCC, what do we say? It's our mission. mission. Mm -hmm. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He gave us a command in Matthew 19 to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to make disciples. So we're all called to be disciple makers. But for those of us who are going to far off places to be disciple makers, We need people that send and people that pray. Right now, I want to say, I'm a seganalo. But, um, but, um, but, um, I'm a seganalo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. PCC, you are a generous church. And I know that there are many missionaries in this room that can attest to that. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. I was looking up the word supporter, because a lot of times we talk about those who give as supporters, and I was looking this up in the dictionary, and it gives two definitions. One is to give assistance to, especially financial, enable to function or act. But I love the second one. The second one is bear all or part of the weight of, to hold up. And I love the definition of support as a noun, which is you. (laughs) A thing that bears the weight of something and keeps it upright. I know for me, you are the ones that keep me upright. Your support is so, so meaningful. And I can't thank you enough. And I have some amazing cheerleaders in this room. I know I get emails from Carl Carl and Darlene, uh, herring often, encouraging me, telling me Merry Christmas, checking on me on my birthday, or Joy Burchett and her generous ways of taking care of me. And I know there are so many others, and I'm not going to call all your names, but I love this church, and I love the way that you go after missions and love your missionaries. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. You're important. You're important. Support is important. And then for the goers, I'm praying that Jesus moves in some hearts today and that you will go. Maybe it's across the street, but maybe it's going to be somewhere really far away and really foreign to you. But I'm praying that Jesus will move in your hearts because until the whole world is heard, our job's not done. Amen. (laughs) And we need more people that will go. And the little church plant that I get to be a part of in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, we've sent out three missionaries that we support. Come on. One is to the deaf community. And he is doing ASL. He's not ASL. Well, actually, it is ASL. That he is um, translating the whole Bible so that Ethiopians that are deaf can hear the gospel. Praise God. We have another that is ministering to, um, to Muslim, and she has to be very hush-hush, but we love her, and she's a part of our family. And I have a picture to show you. This is Mary. 
I think, I think it's there. This is Mary. She just came back to give, to do exactly what I'm doing today. She came back to our church to tell us what's been happening. Jesus called this little Ethiopian girl to London. Wow. Does that surprise you? <laughs> nope. She actually gets to go door to door and share the gospel with immigrants from all over the world. And listening to her heart and her passion for the lost. Because friends, it's not just America that sends missionaries. The Great Commission is for all believers. So for a little Ethiopian girl to go to England is just, it's just so great. It makes my heart so happy. Because this is what we need. We need all believers obeying the command. I'm going to finish my story of Laura. I sat in the coffee shop and I listened to her story. And honestly, friends, it was like listening to something straight out of Revelations. It was crazy. And it was amazing. Her experience was so radical and so transformative. I can't tell you all because we don't have time for that today. It was two hours, remember that. But I'll tell you the end, because that's really the most important part. Laura met Jesus face to face. And as she described this experience to me, her face literally shone. And she said to me, Shaye, that's what she calls me, Shaye. He turned around and he saw me. He laughed. And then he hugged me. But his eyes, his eyes, I've never seen such love. I didn't want to leave him. I wanted to stay with him always. The little orphan girl had discovered love in a way that she could never even describe. I called her this last week. I said, Laura, I want to share your story. Is that okay? She's like, yes, please, tell everyone. I want everyone to know what Jesus did in me. And now Laura wants to be a goer. She wants to be sent to the children in Ethiopia. Hallelujah. The little orphan girl wants to go after the kids in Ethiopia for the love of Jesus. And it is our honor to be able to send her. Amen. What powers all of this, though, is prayer. Oh, yeah. And that's the last thing, is we need prayer warriors. Yeah. I know every missionary gets up here and says, we need prayer support. But friends, it's so true. I can't tell you how many times I have felt your prayer. I've been in a situation where I needed someone to be praying, and I know you were. There are a lot of missionary prayer cards out there. Don't leave any. Take them all. Put them on your fridge. Put them in your mirror. Pray over your missionaries, friends. We need to be prayed for. And I don't know if you know this, but I pray for you. Because this is partnership. This is how this works. Amen. I feel like right now, yeah, go ahead and clap. That's awesome. Come here. That's awesome, Shea. 
I feel like right now this is a holy moment. If you are around one of the missionaries, missionaries, would you just raise your hand while you're seated right where you are? Let's all extend our hands. And if you have one around you, I'm gonna pray for Shea right now and all the missionaries. Holy Spirit, right now, you are with us. You are for us. So who can be against us? Some of us are goers. Some of us are senders and some of us are prayer warriors. But actually, all of us are called to do all three. And so right now, we are praying. We are prayer warriors. We cover all these missionaries with the blood of Jesus Christ. And we say, darkness, you have no chance against the light of Christ that's within Shea and all the missionaries. We bless them. We pray protection over them. And we thank you that you're with them. You're for them. So who could be against them? And we thank you for all these things right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Shay is going to get ready to play a song for us with John. It's called Beauty for Ashes. Would you stand with me? And what we're going to do as we close is I want you to ask the Lord a simple question. Where's my part? Where's my part? Is there something inside of me that God wants to do in me? You see, we're going to give you a chance for, uh, to give the, the pledges for missions. We have a huge goal we want to give to for missions. But maybe you're here and you've, you've just never really prayed for missions, never really played, prayed for missionaries. Today's your day to pray for missionaries. But maybe there are people here that you're feeling called to the mission field. Could be in Portland, could be in Africa, could be anywhere in the world, but you're sensing the Holy Spirit stir something inside of you. And today is your day to receive that calling and to step into it, to step into it. So as you're praying and listening, I just also feel impressed by the Holy Spirit. There's darkness that needs the hope of Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me just for a moment? This song is so perfect, beauty for ashes. If you're here today and there's darkness, whether it's in your life, or maybe it's in your house, around the family members or people that you know, or maybe you see darkness in Portland and it's hard to see hope. But I believe God's saying there is hope for Portland today. There is hope for Portland today. And there's hope for missionaries all over this world right now in the mighty name of Jesus. So if you're here today and you need the hope of Christ to drive out some darkness, would you just slip your hand up right where you are? I'm gonna pray with you. Father, you see all the hands that are lifted up. Father, right now we pray that the hope and the love of Jesus Christ would drive out darkness in Jesus' name. It would drive out darkness. Hope drives out darkness. So Father, today as we worship you and as we sing this song, May we experience beauty for ashes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
pray with you. Also, the altars are open. If you want to just come forward, I've just found that God does something when we take a step of faith. Sometimes it looks different, but we just believe in these moments, church. His presence is here, amen? He's with you. He's for you. So I just want to have Shea play and John that song one more time. Would you just lift your hands with me? Come on, church, and you can respond and come forward. But if you're in the pews, we just lift your hands. Welcome His presence. He's transforming lives this morning. He's transforming hearts. Thank you, Jesus. about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.